0: This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55 a.m. in Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be...
1: Good afternoon, you're listening to 3CR and I'm Erin Jones presenting the Beyond Zero Emissions show. We've got a packed show today so we won't delay, we'll get straight into it. We're focused on the Zero Carbon Communities Initiative that BZD is running. So we're first talking to Imogen Jubb who's the National Manager of that program. So, today, listeners, we've got Imogen Jubb with us, and she's a National Manager for the Zero Carbon Communities with Beyond Zero Emissions. Welcome, Imogen. Thanks very much for having me. That's, o- that's okay, it's our pleasure. It's good to hear about the programs that are going on. So, you're National Manager of the Zero Carbon Communities Initiative. Can you explain to us how that initiative works and, and what's involved? Well, really, um, Zero Carbon Communities
2: is trying to take some of the research that Beyond Zero Emissions has produced, and which demonstrates that it's technically feasible and en- economically feasible to get towards zero carbon within 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to demonstrate that it's possible at a local level as well. So this project is really about enabling local communities, usually at a council sort of size scale, um, to to run with this kind of project and push for zero carbon communities in their own back, back, backyard.
1: Yeah, that's great and we've been doing a little bit of a focus lately on some local initiatives we've spoken um, with the council in Queensland that's, that's doing a solar farm and the other week or probably a month or so ago now we had the um, Community energy Energy Congress here and local in that kind of local government, local or regional kind of level is, is, there's so much activity going on there. So it's great that you're kind of supporting those communities to, to make those steps. So, yeah, there really is. There's, I mean, there's, there's thousands of communities around the world who are
2: taking on this kind of work mm-hmm. and, um, the changes that they're going to make are really great for local areas because they know the local, Um, issues really well and they can devise solutions that work for local people which is really great so can you tell me which communities that you're currently working with so um, yeah there's a few that we're working with there's three in Victoria which um, are supported by a Lord Mayor's charitable fund grant Mm -hmm. um, and also some support from the Robert Hicks Foundation mm-hmm. through equity trustees um, and these three communities are Banala, um, Borbor and Nilambik mm-hmm. and so community groups are formed in each of those three areas um, and they're helping devise these strategies like a 10-year transition strategy on how to get to zero emissions in the energy sector for these particular communities. And then there's also Byron Bay which was set up a little bit earlier and they're much more ambitious in what they're trying to achieve because they're looking to go to zero emissions in all sectors, not just in the stationary energy sector, but they're also talking about agriculture, transport um, waste
1: and other emissions Yeah, great, and we're looking forward, we're actually going to have a chat with um, I think one of the key people Tiffany Harrison a little bit later in the show so it's going to be interesting to hear what, what they're doing with that ambitious project So those are the Victorian councils that you or areas that you mentioned how did they come to be involved? Um,
2: they'd they'd all had some contact with BZE earlier. So, for example, Neelambik had been promoting the Energy Freedom um, mm-hmm. book that was produced by BZE. They ran some. The council helped run some workshops for local residents about how they could actually transform their own home to a power generator rather than a power consumer. So, we had a relationship with um, Bor um was recommended us recommended to us from the Latrobe. Um, the group in La Trobe Valley I think Voices of the Valley recommended oh, yeah. we work with the Baw, Baw Sustainability Network mm-hmm. because they've done great work over the years in engaging the community in a whole range of sustainability ishi- initiatives um, and Benalla um, we put we actually put the word out for the third community and Benalla had recently run a big workshop Again, partly prompted by BZE coming out, one of the BZE presenters coming out and talking to the community. Um, So they had 90 people in the community Mm -hmm. turn up and say that they were interested in this and we thought that would be a great community to work with as well. Yeah. So they're all quite different. So Neil and Bix are sort of um, urban on its way to becoming, you know, they're out of edges of the city. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And the other two are kind of regional, rural communities. Right. Okay, great. And so you know i think it's an important point that you're making that bzd has done the research to show all these different sectors and how there is you know it is possible to move to zero emissions with today's technology and so these groups are kind of taking that down to a local level and actually putting it into place so how does the bzd relationship work with these communities what is the process that you go through so there's a few steps involved. So the first
2: one is to engage it, like find, find you know, local people who are interested in running with the project and in each community that's about 10 core members who mm-hmm. form, to, form together to say that they're really passionate and have time and commitment and um, some skill and expertise in helping drive it forward. Um, the next step is to look at what the current emissions are. So we've produced a baseline emissions report for each community. So for an example... Um, Borbore, I think, have produced over 500,000 tonnes of um, CO2 emissions in Mm. the one year period. So that's their annual emissions. So that's what we're looking at driving down to zero um, for that particular community. And that's in the energy sector.
1: Right. And so different communities can kind of pick which sectors they've got the capacity to work on. They can. Ideally, you know, every community would work in all,
2: Mm. but, you know, not everyone's got the capacity to do that. Um, And probably. Energy and agriculture are probably the two biggest to work on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for this particular project, energy sector is the focus. But, for example, Byron is looking at all. And, again, like agriculture and land use would probably be more relevant to the regional communities where, for example, waste might be more relevant for some of the inner city communities, Mm. waste and transport. So it depends a little bit on the context of the local Area of what's going to really be relevant emissions for them?
1: Yeah, and is there a mixture of the way those communities are made up? Is there a, is there kind of a strong drive and, and support from the local government in those areas, or is it a real mixed bag of some are driven by more you know community groups or?
2: So they're all driven by the community group. So in some there are pre existing sustainability groups, for example, the Ball Sustainability Network and um, the Renewable Futures Penalo Group. Um, our Sustainable Futures vanilla group um, and Nilembic has formed its own group so the Clean Energy Nilembic has formed and they're becoming an incorporated association as a right. result of this project mm-hmm. um, and that's quite a process to get to that stage of incorporation yeah, it takes a little bit of work yeah, yeah it does we're getting there yeah good um And so that's part of the process is forming that Mm -hmm. community group. They all have council officers who are supporting the project. Mm -hmm. um, And the councils are involved in becoming, like, officially endorsing the project. But that's Mm -hmm. at different stages at each community. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. So that's, you know, that whole thing of, of you know, the mechanics behind setting up an organisation like that and going through the incorporation, you know, there is quite an involvement in that, so people do have to be pretty committed to the process. Yeah,
2: and I think they are. I mean, they're they're there are people out there who can see that this transformation is necessary and that mm. it's beneficial to local communities. Yeah, um, essential. Yeah. it's so, And the faster we do it, the better the benefits are. So I think there's enough passion and enough commitment and enough yep. people with really great knowledge and expertise. Um, and so this project is about pulling those people together to enable that change to happen.
1: Yeah. And so you go in and assist facilitating kind of the establishment of the, of the group or can you explain what the BZD role is kind of... You know, maybe from concept through, and, and where BZD steps in or out.
2: Yeah. So, first of all, I guess engaging the community to um, to make a commitment that they're interested in being involved, um, setting up the baseline emissions, mm. uh, working with council to get their um, support. Um, there's some other steps as well, so doing, the, doing um, mitigation options, and that's about where we're up to at the moment. We've, we're just in the process in the last couple of weeks of running workshops in each of these communities um, to look at what local people say are the relevant mitigation options, particularly around buildings and efficiency, mm-hmm. um, community energy and solar... Um, and then utility scale and storage have mm-hmm. kind of been the, th- the sort of three broad areas that we've been looking at. Yeah, and so people are coming up with ideas. You know, is it possible to do pumped hydro with existing reservoir dams? Is it possible to set up solar over you know car park spaces, and that provides double benefits for communities? Um, There's a whole range of existing options, doing retrofits to existing houses and also, you know, trying to push for things like building legislation changes so that houses are built to a better standard to begin with. So how can – the next step is how can this community group actually affect those changes and Mm. run with projects and make them happen and find investment for them? But there are so many opportunities out there um, and people really want to see this change happen. Mm. So how can we make that happen in the best way in those local communities?
1: Yeah. No, that's, it's, you know, it's really exciting and I think probably like anything with working with community, if, if they're obviously the ones creating, you know, working on and establishing and um, researching the solutions, then they're hugely invested in that.
2: Yeah, and so BZE can't support the project, you know, to completion. Mm. Um we' really got a twelve month investment in these communities to give them their transition strategy and build the community engagement, but it will be up to the communities to drive the implementation of it unless we get
1: more funding. So for someone out there that's listening today and is really you know keen as anything to kind of get stuff happening in their community, what can they do? Um, what steps would you say to someone like that, other than kind of getting in touch with you and kind of getting put on a list, or if there is more funding to support other communities, or if they've got funding themselves, or can access that locally to, to support an, an initiative like this in their own community? Yeah, I,
2: th- I think that's. A, I mean, it's really great if you are if you are out there in your own community and interested in taking this sort of thing on. We can. We're looking to provide a blueprint for any community who wants to sort of take these initiatives on, so mm-hmm. it can provide support in the steps to take and how to form a community group or how to engage with existing ones, how to engage with your council, um, how to look at the funding sources and pull some of the resources that are out there. There are actually enormous number of resources that can help support you, so um, it's sometimes just finding the right one at the right time is the key part of it. And I think there will be more and more investment opportunities emerging in the coming years. I think it'll, it will actually happen quite quickly. Mm. Um, so if you've got some kind of cohesive plans around what would be good for your community and you can
1: demonstrate those to people Yeah, investment will be available. Yeah, I think that's actually a really key point because another thing that came out of the um, Community Energy Congress was the fact that, you know, these things stack up Economically, and we were in one of those um, sessions looking at different models of investment for kind of um, you know commercial or up to utility scale um, solar in some instances, and and, you know some of them were investment models, some of them were a donations model. But, you know, those investment models actually stacked up as good investments for people to make in those local communities, getting somewhere like a, you know, anywhere between a 6 and 10%. And we're getting more and more super funds that are actually focused on, you know, ethical investing and A, giving people, you know, something that is going to be as good, if not better, than conventional in- investing their super, but is also having that dual benefit of of you know creating renewable energy or whatever it, it may be, but kind of for the for the greater good kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of an important point, isn't it? Sometimes to just go, let's not get too hung up on how it's going to get funded, but let's get all our planning put in place, because I think yeah, going forward there is going to be be more and more of of um, you know, it's going to make sense from a financial point of view, and um, well, I mean, it doesn't make sense now not doing it. But most of the time, we don't take in the you know the costs aren't captured. Um, yeah, I find the rotating fund model really
2: inspiring because mm-hmm. um, you know each project will pay itself off yeah. you know within a couple of years time frame, and once that once that payment has been made, then it can be used to fund other projects. goes back into the pool so and goes out again. Essentially, you don't really need a very large pool of money to mm. enable all these projects because they will continue to fund the next ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, no, that's really exciting and it's great to see that. So it's, it's good that, um, you know, communities need to do the, that work, though, to understand what their baseline emissions are now and then start looking at how they can go about reducing those. So yeah.
2: And it's quite exciting. they've all got really interesting projects in mind, mm.
1: um, and yeah, i'm I'm really quite proud of all the work that the communities are doing and where they're going to get to. Yeah, great. Well, look, um, we better wrap it up because um, we've got to talk to some of those other communities, and it's going to be really interesting to hear what they are. And um for people who want to get on a mailing list for the zero carbon communities, the email is zero carbon communities, or one word, at beyond, zero at sorry, bze.org.au. So that's zero carbon communities at bze.org.au. Well thanks Imogen, it's been great chatting with you and we look forward to talking to you in the future as some of these get a little bit further down the track. Thanks very much Erin, it's lovely. Well, listeners, on the line today, we've got Tiffany Harrison, and Tiffany is the project coordinator for the Zero Emissions Byron Project. So welcome, Tiffany. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Look, we're focusing today on um, communities that are taking the initiative to work towards getting to zero emissions. Um, so can you just give us a little bit of background about the project in Byron?
3: Sure. So really the project started um, to be able to exemplify what can be done at a community level. So Beyond Zero Emissions has obviously got a long history of developing blueprints and looking at what we can do at a national scale and really that organization and the work that BZE started with was looking um, to create information in a space that wasn't existing that 10 years ago. But we now understand what we can do and we now understand the solutions that can be implemented. Um, But as yet, we haven't seen a full transition to zero emissions at that sort of scale at a national or a state level. So... BZE about a year and a half ago two years ago was starting to look at zero carbon communities so looking at what we could do at a regional level and that's when um, the CEO of BZE was invited to the Byron Shire region to meet with our Mayor Simon Richardson and they had a conversation around what it would look like for An entire region to be able to commit to this sort of vision, Um, and what what are the resources? What are the implications? And what are the what's the implementation to do this sort of work? So that's when the project was initiated, and and um, the Byron Shire region has always had a strong history of looking at innovative ways of. Uh, I guess, working with our environment, but also really engaged community work. So we looked at the the benefits that could come with this sort of transition work when we're talking about emissions um, and transition to zero emissions across all sectors. We also looked at what are, what are the other economic and social and environmental impacts and, and positive benefits that could come to our region. So that's why... I, Um, our region was really keen to be able to model this sort of work and uh, one of the things that we're really keen to do as well is be able to support other communities across Australia to do this work as well and and provide a model um, as we're going through all of the solutions and and all of the, uh, I guess, teasing out some of the, the things that work well and some of the things that don't as well.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Byron's been particularly ambitious, rightly so, in that you're tackling kind of across the board all the different different sectors aren't you?
3: Yes yes. so we're looking at a holistic picture so we're looking at energy so stationary energy um, and transitioning that sector to 100% renewable energy that's our target and then within that we're looking at buildings and how they operate so all aspects of, of a building and particularly focusing on energy efficiency and we're looking at transport um, which for our region is, is quite different in a city but for our region transport, sustainable transport options are very far, few and far between um, because of the the type of distribution that we have within our region. We're a low um, density population Mm. and we've got a big area to cover so we have many roads that are (laughs) in pretty poor condition um, but they're not safe for bicycling for instance and there's um, very few uh, bus operations that are that actually work within what people need so that, that's one of our major challenges is transport sector and how we can do that for a regional area I know that many cities across Australia are starting to roll out really great initiatives like Melbourne with their um, transfer to electric um, trams so that sort of work is really easy to do in a, in a city Well, not easy but you know mm. relatively but when it comes to our region that is that is a um, major hurdle that we face. And then we're also looking at land use as well, so agriculture in our area. We've got a strong history of um, it being been an agricultural area, particularly with the cattle industry and, um, also a lot of organic farming. So we're looking at the mix of what we have in our region and how we can improve that in terms of holistic management and farming, um, and also a lot of tree planting to be able to reduce our emissions that way. Right. And then we're also looking at waste as well. And, and waste is one of the smaller sectors, but really when it comes to, <laughs> we're, we're focusing on the, the direct emissions that come from organic waste, but we're also, uh, we are keen to look at how we can help individuals think about their footprint in terms of the consumption that they have as well. So there's people working within that space who are um, very active within our community to reduce waste in general.
1: Okay, great. Well, we've talked about the scope and, and the sectors, and, and like I said, Byron's been very ambitious about um, you know all those different ones. Just coming back to geographic, what is the what are the kind of the, the boundaries? Um, of your project, is it within the Byron Shire local government boundary? Where does where does it kind of start and finish?
3: Yes, yeah, exactly. It's within the local um, government area, so that covers about five hundred kilometres squared, um, and that's the whole of, of the Byron Shire region. Um, so within that region, it's quite diverse. It goes right from um, from sort of the border with the Tweed up uh, just. It kind of past Byron, Byron, Byron Town itself, a bit north and that, and then right down south to Bangalore area. So it's a quite a diverse area, um, and that's got a lot of small towns. So we've really got only about four or five towns with about 5,000 people in those towns, but most of the areas are really regional. So where I'm living at the moment is just, you know, you pass through it in about one minute, and it's mm. got about 50 houses. So a lot of little communities like that, we've got about 44 small towns within our
1: region. And you know, I suppose when people think of Byron, they think of the township of Byron Bay. But as you say, you know, there's a lot of agriculture, and um, you know, a lot of those other smaller towns that don't necessarily, you know, relate to what people think of. You know, when they you first say Byron, it's um, it's not just all about the the township of Byron Bay, is it?
3: Yeah, e- exactly. And actually, one of our our strongest areas of work, um, where a lot of community initiatives that have come out, are from Ismail and Bimbi itself. So mm-hmm. that's another one of the the larger towns with about four or five thousand people Um, and that's where the council offices are are housed and where a lot of people who are doing community work and and these sort of initiatives are stemmed from Um, but really there's only about four or five of those more urban population centres and there's a lot, a lot of, um, as I said earlier, there's a lot of, still a lot of agriculture, but that, that sort of means that we have to look at the whole mix of people so we're not just talking about suburban neighbourhoods and we're talking about buildings, we're talking about commercial and industrial as well and we're talking about farm house, farms and how they interrelate as well and, and um, because, as I said earlier, because we've got such a, a wide, dispersed geographic area... Um, we've got to think about how that fits into the work that we're doing when we're talking about a whole region. But I think it really gives us great opportunities when we, we are talking about a diversity of people living in this, in this area, about how we can link up people more, so we can link up our agriculture and with our more urban areas and um, really focusing on buying local and looking at what can be done within this geographic region.
1: Mm. So what stages is the process up to then?
3: Uh, so really, I mean, the the things that we've... <laughs> Challenges that we've faced, I guess, in the project has been um, the pace at which we'd like to move, and the pace at which
0: mm. is a reality to
3: move, yeah. based on you know resources and capacity and, and everything. But really, um, the first year year and a bit, what we focused on was understanding our region, understanding where the emissions come from. So we um, had five groups form, which from each of the different sectors, and those volunteer groups in conjunction and support from um, Beyond Zero Emissions. Undertook research that showed us exactly where our emissions are for each of the different re- each of the different sectors, and it showed us that our highest um, source of emissions is from the electricity center, sector, and that's predominantly from the uh, residential sector. Mm-hmm. And then it showed us that transport is is below that, but it's it's quite a high uh, emissions, and, it's, and then. Each of the different sectors. So, within land use, for instance, we could see where the breakdown of where the most of the emissions were coming from. So that gives us an understanding of where to focus our, our efforts in terms of um, if we want to reduce emissions, where will where where the key areas that we can reduce those emissions from, and were the priority targets, I guess. And then we also wanted to we did a, a lot of work with um, stakeholder engagement and held forums where we've got a whole bunch of different stakeholders within the same room. So for the energy um, forum, for instance, we had Essential Energy, which is our our operator, and then we had um, people who are solar um, experts and technical experts who are installing solar across our region um, through to the Chambers of Commerce. and, and council and, ver- and various different stakeholders in the room to understand what are the other projects happening because we really want to be able to support the ex- already existing initiatives and be able to, mm-hmm. to look at where the gaps are and then to be able to say rather than zero emissions by and rather than we're necessarily implementing them all ourselves, we, we want to understand who are the partners that we can support um, to do their work better or to, to increase their work if it has an, an emissions um, reduction outcome. Um, so that those were some of the things that we did, and then we've um, started to develop a blueprint for each of the different sectors. So we've got for the energy sector, we engaged a consultants to do some modelling for us to understand um, renewable energy a bit better in our region. To, so to understand what are the what are the kind of key things that will work because our region it'll work differently to other areas. Um, but we wanted to understand, for instance, that. Where that wind doesn't necessarily work well for our area, so when it comes to solar, is it better to have a rollout of of rooftop PV or could we look at options of of numerous um, mid-scale kind of solar developments mm-hmm. or we're looking at a large-scale solar development and so we we modeled some of those outputs and what they would need to go to 100 percent renewable energy and then we wanted to do that for each of the different sectors so we're working with council who've just formed a re- passed a resolution um, to, to formally adopt the zero emissions target within council operations so they're looking at their strategic plans and we'll be working with them to see how we can how we can uh, I guess create like BZD have done for the national plans, a, a blueprint that says, okay, these are the key key actions, these, these are the costs, so that's really where we're at and we're starting to, as we're doing that, um, we're starting to implement a few projects which are really community engagement projects, so one that we're launching in about two weeks' time, um, we've got a festival here called Renew Fest, which will be an amazing event, and um, But that's really showcasing sustainable and and renewable um, initiatives and and solutions in our region and we'll be launching our project which is going to be talking to people about what they can do. So we're looking at the the regional scale and we're looking at from large projects that will rapidly reduce emissions right down to what can the individual do because what our research really showed us was that if about 75% of the electricity um, emissions are from residential buildings. That means that it, the individual people have a really key mm-hmm. role to play in how they interact with um, the reduction of emissions. So we're, we're going to be talking to people about what they can do and, and providing And support. there's so
1: much that they can do on that household level. I mean, as you'd probably be aware with the other work that Beyond Zero Emissions has done around buildings and the, um, you know, what we put out in terms of the... Um, at the consumer end of that Mm -hmm. around, you know, simple changes that people can make to their homes or can can program into a schedule if if they're having an upcoming renovation um, around, you know, turning their home from an energy user into an energy generator.
3: Yeah, exactly. The the work that um the energy freedom work that mm. these here have done has has been amazing and um there's also a lot of there's a lot of opportunities for renters. I, I myself I'm in a position now I'm a renter and often you get stuck in buildings where, you know, your your ability to um produce less emissions is kind of limited by those constraints but there's a lot more there's a lot of simple kind of um solutions and low cost solutions and people have been able to show that even if you don't have a lot of money and you're renting the investment of these or some of the simple steps that you can take actually saves you money so it's still worthwhile if you're a renter so there's a lot of ways that you can do um I guess it's got a lot of benefits That something like solar obviously um installing solar and solar hot waters is um is great, but it's more limited in terms of who can access that sort of solution.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned that, you know, a lot of this work that you're doing, you're you're trying to kind of create blueprints that other communities can use. How can, you know, how could another community that's listening to this kind of engage with you to maybe learn from, you know, what have been your challenges and, and what have been the biggest challenges? Mm,
3: sure. Sure. So in answer to the first question, really happy to, if anybody um, is wanting to get in touch, people can um, write down my email. It's zeroemissionsbyron at com. Um, and really you've got ha- a pretty, pretty good
1: website as well, which yeah. has a lot of information yeah. on it, isn't it? Which is... Um, I'm just waiting for my computer that's gone to yeah, sleep.
3: Zero zero Byron. Yeah, zerobyron.org. Yeah, we've got to do some updates on it. It's a bit out of date. But, yeah, definitely there's that. And, and in terms of our, um, we've developed each, each year, into, oh, in 2016 and 2017, we've developed our strategic plans and we've gone through a whole strategic planning framework of identifying what are, what are the steps and what's the process for the work that we're doing. So I'm really happy to, to share those documents and also to talk with people one-on-one. So I've had quite a lot of conversations, particularly over the last few months, actually, with, I've talked to LA um, who are wanting to do a zero emissions program. I've talked to Twee Council, which is the next council up from us. I've talked to Newland Book, and I've talked to Noosa and um, Bellagian. So there's there's quite a lot of people, and what what we've done is just sat down for an hour or two and had a chat about what are what are the key steps that we've taken, what are the key challenges. Um.
1: And I think there's a lot of, I mean certainly. I've been having a focus on the radio show recently about local initiatives particularly and when you were just talking about the council earlier I mean we did a show a little while back or a few weeks back for the Sunshine Coast Solar Farm, and what they, I don't know if you're familiar with the project, but they're building a 15-megawatt solar farm, which is a 100% offsetting all of Council's energy use, all of their buildings, libraries, childcare centres, aquatic centres, depots, street lighting, everything. Um, and that will actually save Council ratepayers over the 30-year um, lifespan, although they Plant will probably continue after that, but that's what they're working on. Twenty-two million dollars will save yeah. ratepayers. So, you know, from a local government perspective. Um you know, maybe that's something that um, I mean. I imagine councils aware of it, but it's a really interesting project.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And the ability to not only, as you say, save money, but over time, within a within a just a short a few short decades, be able to start generating money and income mm. from that source. And that's something that's particularly important for regional councils like ours. Our council is, um, as I said before, partly because of the roads. We have a lot of roads, mm. and we have a lot of infrastructure, and we have a lot of tourism, but not a, a huge amount of our, our ratepayer base is only 13,000 people or 13,000 households, sorry. So that means that the um, the revenue that this council generates isn't as high as as, um, as it could be in, in terms of doing these sort of projects. So before you did touch on um, a question about what are some of the challenges so I guess that's one of the key challenges is resources and, and trying to, to get the resources to get this up and running when it comes to really the implementation of project software identifying say a, a solar farm or um, a bioenergy plant or um, key land use. Projects that we we can apply for grants, or we can. Uh, there are private investors looking to to work in this sort of area, and as you say, councils are doing major, large-scale projects with which come from big investment, um, and that that's there. But when it comes to the funds to be able to fund operations of having um, staff working on this, or um, you know, all the all the various things that come from developing the blueprints or the the, the strategy, all the, those sort of funds are um, few and far between, and. It's, starting to get better as this um, as this space is, is amping up and a lot more communities are doing this work and I think there's more, more and more interest from state and federal governments but that's been one of the key challenges is we, we didn't have, we basically had no resources for about a, a year and only um, very minimal resources at the moment so that's, that's definitely been it but um, I guess out of that challenge we've operated in a way that I think I would have wanted to see anyway, which is really the community driving it, and volunteers have driven this project.
1: Um, yeah, so a lot of buy-in, mm,
3: and that's been been invaluable because I think it's, it's got to come from community. It can't just be some imposed plan that that um, that somebody says, okay, this is a great idea, and um, let's do it this way. Particularly for our region, there's. M- You know, really active community engagement and and all of council decisions and what's happening and I think it really just shows that um, as a community we're we're willing to step up and decide what
1: happens for our region Yeah, Um, that's wonderful Tiffany, I might have to finish up because um, we've got a lot to try to cover in the show but I've really appreciated your input and it's great to hear what's happening in Byron and um, we look forward to um, maybe having a chat a bit down the track and seeing how everything's going Great. Wonderful. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Stephanie.
3: Bye-bye.
2: Bye. Bye. We want to hear from you. Our station is all about serving the community, and we want to know your thoughts, comments, and ideas to help shape our future. We're currently asking listeners to take part in a short online survey that will help us get to know you better and understand what you want from your local radio service. The results of this survey will assist us in continuing to be the best possible station we can be in service of our valued community. To have your voice heard, head to our website and fill out the survey.
1: So, listeners, as you know, today we're talking with different um, community groups that have taken the initiative to work directly on strategies to bring their emissions to zero as under the um, Zero Carbon Communities Initiative, which is one of these BZE's projects. And we're now talking to John Lloyd, who's the president of the Benalla Sustainable Future Group. Welcome, John. Thank you. So, we just want to do a little bit of um, uh, background. If you can tell us a little bit about the group and how you've uh, started along in this um, zero carbon communities initiative.
4: Well, um, the National Future Group been established for about eight years and basically looking at climate change issues and sort of trying to encourage people to uh, you know live more sustainable more sustainable lifestyles. So we. look at at things like um, reducing greenhouse gas emissions um, and we've run some things to do with more sustainable housing and and various things like that. Obviously renewable energy is is something we've always been interested in Um, and then um, about 18 months ago I think it was um, I heard that the maybe even two years ago now that the Victorian government had set up a new energy jobs fund and I thought well that was Probably an appropriate if, if we're going to do something about renewable energy, maybe we, we should think about you know, doing something and see if we can get some support from them. So, the Benalla Sustainable Future Group, um, we had a, a little working group to talk about what we might do, and we conducted a, a community forum last October uh, basically looking at a renewable energy future for Benalla. and From that and, and, uh, from that forum, we asked for people to volunteer to form a working group or an action group to, you know, to, to put that into practice. Now, about, uh, about the same time, well, over the last two or three years, um, BSFG, Benalla Casale Future Group, they had, they had this, uh, community forum on the renewable energy for Benalla. We had 19 people turn up. We were very, uh, very pleased with that. Um, and we had had some contact with BZD with some people coming up to the speakers at some of our meetings. And so the last speaker we had in, in, was up for our meeting in uh, August. I mentioned to him about we were looking at some renewable energy stuff and he mentioned it to Imogen, who, um, I don't know, November or so, um, contacted me and asked if we'd be interested in being considered as one of the communities that I were um, going to support. So we got, so, John, oh, just. just
1: be, yes. Oh, yeah, that's great. So, John, for our listeners that are maybe outside of Victoria, can you describe to me where your community is and is it urban, rural? What, What's the mix of, of the community oh, okay. that's within the Certainly. scope of the project?
4: Certainly, it's a, it's a rural community. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benalla is a rural city. Um, you know, it's, uh, I suppose, a regional town, you'd say, uh, with a rural area around it. Um, but we are trying to obviously the town itself is a major focus, but we also want to ensure that we encourage all the little townships around in the rural area as well to look at um, renewable energy.
1: Mm. And so, the scope of, of the project at this point in time is is around the stationary energy. Is that right?
4: Yes. Yep. That's right. Um, and I guess we're we're looking forward to. Um, our first workshop, which B T V is helping us with, uh, next Monday, the 1st of May, Mm -hmm. to um, look at some of the options, some of the the possibilities, and and maybe uh, look at some of the options that we can work on to develop a, a strategy.
1: Yeah, great. So, and what's the makeup of the group currently? Is it sort of other organisations? Obviously, you, your organisation has a, has a long history, um, but, but is the local government kind of in the process at this point in time, or other individuals or businesses? How's that looking?
4: Well, we do have support from the local council, local government. We we approach them, and they uh, as, and, and they support us and uh, agree the support. Our application to the New Energy Jobs Fund, which you've got in for this round of funding, we haven't heard yet. Um, and actually one of the, the, um, sustainability, the environmental sustainability coordinator is a member of our group. Um, I mean she's, it's, it's her work, but also she's very passionate about renewable energy thing. But other people on the group, uh, are just individuals who nominated themselves that they were interested mm. and wanted to be part of this action group to try to see if we could get Benalla to go down this renewable energy path. Um, some of them, uh, a number of retired, we have a range of experiences, a couple of people uh, are solar professionals, but others have... Um, uh, have had experience maybe in business or marketing or, or in, in maybe uh, the bureaucracy, government departments, um, you know, are now retired. So it's, um, it's really a, a committee of local people. With, uh, and a few of them live out of town, so they're not just people who come from the town itself some people do, so So it's sort of a uh, widespread sort of uh, group of people who are interested and in, are quite passionate really about getting something done.
1: Yeah, okay, well that's great. Well, John, unfortunately we're trying to cover a lot of ground in this show so we haven't got too much time to um, spend with everyone but it's great that that initiative's happening and we look forward to hearing about how the um, outcomes come from the project and you say you've got your first meeting on, uh, was it um, May 1, did you say?
4: at yeah, the first workshop on Your the first of May
1: yeah okay excellent well look, we'll look forward to talking to you in the future about how things are progressing and um, we look forward to seeing how that's going to roll out so thanks for chatting with us today
4: okay it's my pleasure
1: so, listeners, you're on the BZE show on 3CR 855 AM. I hope you're enjoying today's show. We're focusing on different community initiatives. We've got quite a bit of information to get through. I don't know if we're going to get to all our interviews. Um, but one that I really wanted to play for you today is a community that BZE's had quite a bit of involvement, um, which is Port Augusta in South Australia. Now, they're trying to... Um, get a solar thermal plant off the ground and you would have heard a lot about the blackouts in South Australia recently so I think it's important that we hear a bit of an update as to where that project's up to. So, listeners, now we're going to have a quick chat to Dan Spencer. Dan is a campaigner for Repower Port Augusta. And if anyone's been, um, you know, kind of keeping up to date with this or just been watching the general media lately, there's, um, you know, we're starting to get to the pointy end of what's happening certainly in, in South Australia. And, and, and Port Augusta's a really important part of that and what facility will. You know, replace the energy generation that was historically um, coal and BZE actually you know, was part of that work in, in um, developing the uh, Repower Port Augusta report, which was um, a, couple of, a few years ago now. Um, but we thought it was probably a good time to catch up with that campaign and um, look at where it is. So we're glad to have you on the line, Dan. And um, if you can kind of let us know where things are up to and um, what our listeners can do to support the initiative.
5: Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, so... To get solar thermal built in Port Augusta, we've always needed two things. One's um, federal funding support, and the other is someone to sign up to buy the power Um, And the good thing is the federal government's now committed to providing $110 million to the project on top of any potential funding from the Renewable Energy Agency, according to Minister Frydenberg. Um, And the state government here in South Australia is currently looking to buy its power from a new power station. Um, And we're expecting the decision by June. Um, So it's all happening. Um, We've been... It's. I think the, the really important point to get across about the state government tender that they're running is that it's really a choice between a new solar thermal plant or a privately owned gas-fired power station. Um, so it really does come down to solar thermal versus other foss- versus fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we've been trying to get as many people contacting Premier Weatherall and urging him to, to choose solar thermal.
1: Yeah, right. And I mean, that work that went on a a few years ago, there was absolutely overwhelming support for solar thermal in the Port Augusta community in in comparison with with gas, wasn't there?
5: Yeah, that's right. So um, we held a community vote off the back of the BZE report um, back in 2012, and it was over 90% of people that we surveyed wanted Solar thermal, not gas. Um, and so that was over 4,000 people participating. And we've actually replicated that and been doing a South Australia wide initiative um, like that. And we've spoken to over 5,000 people who have all signed on to say they want to see solar thermal, um, not gas. So, yeah, it's, you know, I think the community in South Australia in Port Augusta know that renewables are the future and that we can. Um, use storage to back it up, and they want to see projects like this happen. They don't want to see more privately owned gas generators.
1: I mean, you know, the economics of it, um, you know, when, when you take a whole of project plan, and it, it just makes so much more sense for, for renewables. And, um, you know, we had Elon Musk jumping into the discussion there a while ago. What sort of, you know, those kind of comments, has that been useful to this discussion moving forward or, or where does that kind of fit in with things?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's really helpful and we've seen, especially since the state government released their energy plan, um, we've seen heaps of companies coming forward, putting forward their ideas for how they can be part of this transition to renewables so one thing the state government is doing that's a good thing is they're uh, t- currently tendering for a 100 megawatt battery um, which will be really positive and you know, Elon Musk can get involved in that or it could be local companies like Zen Energy or mm. someone else um, mm. so yeah we're really starting to see the discussion shift in South Australia now from you know a lot about the blackout to you know, what can what are the technologies that we can use to, to power our state without fossil fuels
1: Yeah, exactly. So what can our listeners do to help um, You know, push this debate in the right direction?
5: Uh, there's lots of things. If you have, uh, if you're in South Australia or you have uh, friends and family in SA, you can let them know that we've got a rally happening this Sunday at the Parliament House at, in Adelaide at 12:30. Um, so encourage them to get along. You can uh, get on Twitter and tweet at Jay Wetherill with the hashtag Solar4 with the number 4PT or Augusta uh, and let him know that, that this is what you want. Um, and the other thing uh, is. Contacting um, him directly by writing letters, phone calls, that kind of thing, and saying, you know, you want to see solar thermal happen in Port Augusta, and it doesn't matter if you don't live in South Australia. Um, the more that Jay is hearing that people are watching this, the better.
1: Okay, so we'll just repeat those. So the hashtag is solar, then the number four, then PT Augusta. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. And the um, Jay Weatherill's tweet was J J A Y. Wetherill. Is that is that right? That's right,
5: yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, and more, you know, these things, people take notice, folks. So the more that there's a, a movement pushing pushing along this debate and seeing that people are really passionate about getting this, um, the better. And and as Daniel said, you don't need to be just, you know, in, Port- in South Australia to um, let your voice be heard and and know that, you know, we want to transition. Um, and... We've got the technology. It's not about waiting for any wonder thing to be developed. We've got the technology today. We've just got to get the, you know, the fossil fuels out of the way. They were technology for the 18th century. They're not for now. And we've got to move forward with um, the latest and greatest. Absolutely. Well look, thanks Dan, um, it's been great to catch up with you I know that um, you've been really busy lately with everything that's going on so we appreciate you taking a little bit of time and um, we thought it was really important that uh, everyone find out where exactly things are up to with what's going on in South Australia and particularly um, you know, the possibility that this has for the Port Augusta community to, to get a great renewable project off the ground
5: Yeah, thanks very much for having me on, really appreciate
1: it No problem, talk to you soon So that was um, Dan Spencer talking about what's happening in Port Augusta, particularly in South Australia. So we'll um, now go back to some of our other communities that are more at the uh, starting stage of looking at what they can do to transition. So, listeners, I'm pleased to have on the line today Malcolm McKeevy from the Borbore Sustainability Network. Welcome, Malcolm. Thanks, Erin. So can you just tell me a little bit about um, how your community got involved in the Zero Carbon Communities Initiative?
0: Sure. Um, BBSN's been... Um, we incorporated about 10 years ago and we've been active in the sustainability space for all that time-running information events. And more recently, we've been getting into um, home energy assessments for, Um and doing retrofitting, draft-proofing, retrofit work. And um, we were introduced to Imogen um, by someone from the Latrobe Valley Group who um, suggested we might be a good fit for the Zero Carbon Communities Program.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So, yeah, so we... um, I'm not sure who made contact first, but we got in contact with Imogen and... um, and we went from there.
1: Now, for those of our listeners that may be outside of Victoria, can you just tell us a little bit about your community, where you are geographically, um, and and kind of what the boundaries of the community are, is it?
0: Yeah, the the Shire of Balboa is um, run, it's it's about, um, say, an hour east of Melbourne and runs along the... um, so sort of, there's a strip of towns along the Princess Highway from Longlory to Trafalgar, and we extend um, north of the highway up to Nurgi and Mulhala up in the hills um, and south into the Streslakey Ranges. Um, so it's a, it's a sort of, um, sort of I guess, peri, uh, becoming a peri-urban shire, but with a strong rural focus.
1: And um, a...
0: Um, but yeah, low density, but yeah, high, high population density in those the main towns of Warragul and Drone.
1: And so, the scope of the project is within the, those council boundaries, then?
0: Yeah, we've made it a whole of whole of Shire Council boundary project to um, as a means to that we'd we'd be more likely to get the engagement from the
1: um, Shire Council. So, what stage of the process is the, is the group up to then?
0: We've got a draft report on the, of the baseline energy use. So we're just focusing on stationary energy use, electricity and gas, mm-hmm. and so that, that the baseline report is in draft status. We've just held on Saturday, our first community engagement workshop. And um, so we're in the process now of sifting through the um, the suggestions and um, we'll start drafting the, the transition report over the coming weeks.
1: And so you, your communities, then you've made that decision to just focus on the, that energy sector. Was that um, you know based around the capacity that you, you felt the group could do the best effort, um, just focusing on that one sector? Is there a view to kind of look at other sectors further down the track?
0: Yeah, I think um, down the down the track, if we um, make good headway on on this stationary energy sector, we'll we can start looking at um, transport and agricultural. Um, Emissions too, I think, would be the, the, the next key logical steps. Mm. Um, our core group has been formed up by mainly members of the of Boardwise Sustainability Network. Um, mm. and we've attracted a couple of, because of the nature of this project, we've, uh, we've um, attracted a couple of um, people onto this subcommittee who've joined BBSN as a result. And we've had involvement from of the council officers who have been very supportive. Although we don't yet have um, official sort of council endorsement of the, the project, but we're uh, it's actually being discussed at council on Wednesday, and we're hoping that it'll get um, get approved then.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, what will that mean in, in um, you know practicality? Will will council staff be ab- more able to support the project, or what? What does that mean in a practical level?
0: Yeah, practically, it'll, it'll mean that um, that the council staff who are Already been giving us um, some of their time to and input in meetings, will be, um, I guess, more officially allowed to um, allowed to participate and um, put their time and effort into the project. Yes, yeah, so we're not asking for any council money, just that in kind support.
1: Mm. And is the the attitude fairly positive from from council at this stage? Yeah,
0: yeah, we believe so. Yep, we've um, we've had a good working relationship with council over many years, so. Um, uh, well, yeah, we believe that the, the, um, the new councillors are supportive as well, so it should be should be fine.
1: Yeah, fantastic. So, what would you? Um, I mean, you're, you're fairly early in the stages, but what are you seeing at the moment as kind of the big challenges? And um, or if you're another community was listening to what we're talking about today. And wanted to get involved, what would be your advice? You obviously come from a fairly well established um, the Ball, Ball Sustainability Network, so there's a history there of other projects and, and a strong connection between people. But what would you think would be the, the best thing going forward for other groups that are looking to take on an initiative like this? Mm, um, well, I think, um, see you today. <laughs>
0: uh, I think we're in a, a um, great transition. Transition period, and um, if there are a, a, even a small group of individuals around around you that are um, keen to do it, I, I'd say just um, yeah, just get, get on with it, start talking, and uh, start planning, and and involve involve key um, key people in the area as much as you can. We found with the um, with the workshop that we've just had on the weekend that. Um, we um, we invited people we already knew who are um, experts in energy efficiency, um, engineers from the power stations in Northcote Valley, hydrologists. Um, just getting people together and it really generates um, great ideas and great momentum, and um, the enthusiasm becomes infectious. I think.
1: Mm, yeah, and so what were some of the outcomes from that that meeting then?
0: Um, the um, well, one of the exciting opportunities um, is that um, it, an engineer has come up with an idea of using floating solar on uh, water storages that, uh, or the Melbourne Water and, and local water authority water storages, um, and by using the passive cooling of the of the water, um, he's uh, suggesting that the um, the reduction in efficiency that. We experience in Balboa because we're south of the divide. Um, Because the panels will be cooler, we'll uh, reach the same efficiency as panels, say, in Mildura in northern Victoria. Um, And we've also got existing um, hydro generation on some of the dams around here. So there's uh, easy access to transmission infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a really good project that um, would also involve some local manufacturing of floats and um, so on that, uh, that
1: would be used. Yeah, and I think this is one of the big things when communities start, you know, looking into this and and seeing some of the creative solutions that can get towards zero emission. There's actually some great economic benefits and flow-ons into the community. And like you say, getting getting people together in one space and and seeing what comes out of it can be, you know, part of an exciting process.
0: Mm.